Good morning, everyone. It's good to have you here. For the last couple of weeks, we've been considering the fact that we are loved by the beloved. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the, is the Father's beloved Son. And the same love that the Father loves his, his beloved Son, well, he's poured that love out upon us. We have discovered that we are not just belo- loved by the beloved, but we're also blessed by the beloved. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places given to us in Christ Jesus. And this morning, we will discover that we are chosen by the beloved. Our main text for this series of sermons is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. So hear now the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now today we're going to focus in on verse 4, which reads, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Now, throughout my life, I've had many experiences of being chosen. When I was in my youth, I was chosen to play backyard pickup games and even to play on school athletic teams. Um, When I was a junior in high school, I was chosen to be the president of the junior class. My brother and I, uh, my brother and his friends chose me to play trumpet in their brass band. And 20 years ago, I was chosen by this church to be your senior pastor. Now, in each one of those experiences, I had something to do with being chosen. I was chosen to play on teams because I had somewhat athletic ability. I was chosen as a class president because I was popular. I was chosen to play in the brass band because they couldn't find anyone else. (laughs) And I was chosen to be a senior pastor because I had years of proven experience, had led in the launch of this church, and had gone to seminary. Now, my point is, is that all of us can look back on times and situations when we were chosen. We can reminisce, and as we reminisce, we recognize that we had something to do with being chosen. We had certain abilities, certain talents, certain skills. We, we were chosen because of our looks, because of our personality, and maybe even for our intelligence. But today, we're going to look at a situation when we were chosen, and we didn't have anything to do with it. Nothing at all. He chose us. God the Father chose us in Christ. Every one of us at certain degrees has struggled with the idea of God's sovereign election. 
The struggle usually exists in the fear of losing control. The whole idea is, I don't want to be considered like some robot. Well, let me just say that when it comes to being in Christ, you don't want control. Why? Because you'll mess it up. That's why. Let's face it. When it comes to your salvation, when it comes to being in Christ, if it depended on you, you wouldn't be in Christ. We are all walking according to the course of this world. We are all indulging in the lust of our flesh. We, were, we had all gone astray, each one of us doing our own thing, each one of us following our own desires. So please listen when I tell you that when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to you being in Christ, you want it to be all God and nothing of you. 100% God and not a drop of you. Your salvation, your being in Christ is exclusively because of God's grace. You had nothing to do with it. It was a gift from God. God saved you through faith as an act of kindness towards you. You had nothing to do with it. You were saved as a gift from God and not a result of anything that you had done. Now, people will say, but pastor, I accepted Christ. I confessed my sins. I prayed for forgiveness. I even went forward to accept Christ. And I say, yes, you did. And thank God you did. But you did those things because God had worked faith in your heart. You, before God worked faith in your heart, you were spiritually dead, totally disabled to follow God. But God worked faith in your heart, and therefore, you responded. Let me say that all those who the Father has chosen, they come freely and on their own volition. God is not going to force you. No. The Father will draw you to himself with an irresistible grace and you will freely come to Christ. The Spirit of God blows the breath of God into your spiritual deadness and you become born again. When God preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to your heart, your chains fall off, your heart goes free, you rise up, go forth. And follow Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, we cannot praise God properly for his salvation if we claim any credit for our salvation. Let me just say it again. We cannot praise God properly for his great salvation if we claim any credit for our salvation. We cannot praise God properly for his great salvation if we deny the fact of his choosing of us. There was a preacher, in, a Presbyterian preacher in Brooklyn at the beginning of the 19th century. His name was Echabod Spencer. How would you like to have the name Echabod? Echabod Spencer. And he writes in one of his uh, books, uh, he tells a story about how one day an, a well-educated woman uh, came up to him after he preached on the sovereignty of God. And she thanked him for his sermon. 
and said, Oh, sir, your sermon has done me good. I'm just going to tell you, preachers like to hear that. All right. That's something preachers like to hear. But she goes on. She says, All my life I've been troubled with the doctrine of election. I have studied it now for more than 20 years in vain. And now, this morning, I discovered what the problem is. I have never been entirely willing that God should be God. See, she always added a little bit of her in it. And I'm telling you, if you add a little bit of you in it, you're going to have problems. Not just with this, you're going to have problems all the way around. But if you're looking for God to do wonders, God to do wonders, for God to do wonders, you're never going to be disappointed. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to give God the praise that he deserves for saving us from our sin and from ourselves, we must be entirely willing that God should be God. Now, we have to admit we will never fully comprehend the mind of God. We must come to the conclusion, as the psalmist tells us, our God, who is in heaven, does whatever he pleases. But by his doing, and by his doing alone, we are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, the Bible says. Notice, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, period. Now, it doesn't say let him who boasts, boast in the Lord 90% or 99.9% and then a little bit of you. But let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, period. Now, we know that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's ways are not our ways. We know that his judgments are unsearchable and his ways are unfathomable. So, God in his kindness explains his sovereign choice in a way that we can understand it. And in both the Old and New Testament, God tells the reason for his divine choice. And it is because of his love. It's the only explanation that God gives. Because if he gives any other explanation, it would go beyond our comprehension and be able to understand it. God says, you're going to get this one. I chose you because I love you. It's the only explanation he gives. God inspired Moses to tell the children of Israel the motive or the reason why God chose them when he says, The Lord did not set his affection on you or choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept his oath. He swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord, your God, is God and he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant love to a thousand generations. Now, I just want you to listen to the key words, how God inspired Moses to let the people know why or what was the motive behind his sovereign choice. I just want you to listen to these key words. 
It was because the Lord had set his affection on you. It's because the Lord loves you. It's because the Lord was keeping his covenant love. It's the only explanation he gives. And the New Testament echoes the same thing. The same scriptures that I've been reciting to you for you the last couple of weeks. God demonstrated his own what? Love. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What is it? What did he want to demonstrate? His power, his might, his sovereignty, his mind, his all-knowingness? No. He wanted to demonstrate to you his love. And then we know we, we receive this divine love because God for, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the apostle John in his short epistle just says it so short and to the point when he writes, he loved us and sent his son. It is only when we are rooted and grounded in the fact that God's love for us is the only basis by which we are chosen by the beloved. Only then can we even begin to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. To think that God loves us with such an eternal love, well, it just blows the mind. It's one. You ever have any of those God thoughts? You know, have you ever been like like sitting by yourself and you, and you start thinking, how big is the universe? You start thinking. If God is eternal, that means there's never been time that God didn't exist. And you kind of like just let your mind like, that goes into this other world. I, I, do y'all, are y'all feeling me here? You're getting, your mind just go, drifts off. And, and then you start thinking, God is so wise. He, he, he knows about everything and everybody and the whole world, but then he's concerned about me. And your mind just like goes, drifts off into these places of this vastness of God. It's kind of cool, but we don't usually go there very often. And maybe that's the reason why we really don't embrace the love of God. We really don't allow ourselves to drift off and to meditate on the fact that God has loved us with an eternal love. And we just really don't let that fact just blow our mind. I think if we did, we would find ourselves asking ourselves some questions is that, well, why would God, why would Christ love an enemy? You know, the Bible says one would hardly die for a good man, but God demonstrated his love and sent his son to die for us. So why would Christ die for an enemy? There's only one reason, and it's not you. It's because of his love. Why would Christ die for a sinner? <laughs> I mean, I've done a lot of things I ain't proud of. Why would Christ die for a sinner? It comes down to one reason. Love. Why would Christ love me? Love. 
Several years ago, an elderly man came into the life of our church. His name was Joe. Joe had a rough past. He had made a lot of bad mistakes in his life and had spent many years in prison. Joe had become a Christian and was really starting to grow in God's word as he came into the life of our church. Joe lived in a trailer in a trailer park over on 136th Avenue, uh, just south of uh, 84. And one morning, it was still dark outside, I picked Joe up for our men's Bible study and, and breakfast. Now, when Joe got in the car, it seemed like he'd been awake for some, some time. It, maybe it's one of those things, well, maybe he was, hadn't ever even been asleep that night. He got in, in the car, and we said our, you know, good mornings, how you doing sort of things. But I could tell that Joe had something on his mind, and he, 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 he wanted to quickly get to that. And so then he asked, Pastor, why does God love me? He must have been up all night in that zone that I was just talking about. And he was still kind of perplexed. And he says, Pastor, why does God love me? And I said, Joe, it's because he does. He says, but Pastor, why does God love me? I said, because he loves you, Joe. And by the time we got, were passing Western High School, I could tell Joe was getting kind of frustrated. And he kind of lifted his voice a little bit. And he says, but why does God love me? Me! And I said, Joe, listen, man. We can do this all morning. You can ask the same question, and I'm going to give the same answer. Because it's the only explanation that God gives. God loves you, Joe. And he doesn't want you to fight him about it. He wants you to receive it and rest in it. There was a prince that came to a common handmaiden. And the prince expressed his undying love for her. He tells her that he has chosen her most unlikely of choices to be his bride. The prince tells her that as his bride, she is granted every blessing of his kingdom. And he tells her that he will always love her, that he'll never leave her and never forsake her. Now, if you were making the movie, what would be the handmaiden's response? Would she sit there saying, I don't know, you really love me? Would she sit there and doubt his love? Would she question his love? Would she reject his love? I, 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 those aren't the movies I watch. <laughs> when the prince comes to the common handmaiden and expresses his love, wants to, has chosen her as his bride, And tells her everything in the kingdom is hers. And that he'll never leave her or forsake her. Always love her. She's usually, she's ready for that. She's ready for that. She buys in for that. 
And I'm telling you, that's what the Prince of Peace desires from us in our response. The Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, wants us, his undeserving bride, to respond with gladness of heart and overwhelming appreciation for his love for us. Brothers and sisters, as the Bible says, beloved by God, he has chosen you. Now notice verse 4 tells us the Father chose us in him. Of course, we know that is in Christ. God called us in, to be in Christ. He justified us in Christ. He sanctifies us in Christ. He is perfecting us in Christ. And he will glorify us in Christ. The Father calls us in Christ because Christ and Christ alone is the pinnacle of the Father's delight. Only the Son pleased the Father. Only the Son brought pleasure to the Father. Jesus is the beloved Son of God. So God placing us into Christ makes us acceptable and pleasing to the Father. Placing us in Christ makes us, can you believe it, the beloved. The point is, is when the Father chose us in Christ, all the accomplishments of Christ become ours. The righteousness of Christ becomes our righteousness. The perfect obedience of Christ becomes our perfect obedience. The perfect sacrifice of Christ becomes our perfect sacrifice. It's as Pastor Spurgeon wrote, we have everything in Christ and we have nothing apart from Christ. God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, made us alive together in Christ. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise be to his holy name. As a result of placing us in the Christ, our text this morning tells us that we are holy <laughs> and blameless. This word holy means set apart. What that means is that the Father, when he chose us in Christ, he set us apart from the world. He set us apart for the glory of God. As Peter wrote, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I know it's hard for you to believe and believe me, it's hard for me to believe it about you. But you are holy. You're set apart. Because he loves you. And you're not only set apart, you're blameless. And this word blameless means that without spot or blemish, faultless, unblameable. This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across when he says, who can bring charge against God's elect? It's like, they're in Christ, man. <laughs> you can't bring any charge or judgment against them. And he goes on and he says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we are blameless in Christ. 
Christ's perfection is ours. Nobody can bring a charge against us. No one can condemn us. And because we are placed in Christ, we are faultless to stand before the throne of God. We can draw near to the throne of grace with confidence. And then our text goes on. It's just one mind-blowing phrase after another. It goes on to say that the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, this phrase, before the foundation of the world, it's talking about God's eternal purpose. And as we study the scriptures, we determine that God, in eternity past, planned to glorify himself through his Son. The Bible tells us that the Lamb, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, was slain before the foundation of the world. That means that the sacrifice of Christ, it was planned before time even existed. But here, in our text... The Lord is telling us that God in eternity past has placed us in Christ. The Bible is telling us that before the foundation of the world, our names, before your mama ever gave you a name, our names before the foundation of the world were written in the Lamb's book of life. And let me just tell you, when God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, it was with eternal ink that cannot be erased. There's no whiteout in this situation. <laughs> I remember down in Haiti, they, uh, they made this little monument and stuff. It was had a Bible and on it and stuff. And, and they had several of us that had been very involved in the ministry. And, and they had our names on it. And... They misspelled my name. So the next time I went down, I noticed that they had gotten some white out. <laughs> That's not happening in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's not happening there. This phrase, before the foundation of the world, is there for our comfort and for our assurance. God wants us to know that we're not some afterthought. God wants us to know that our salvation in Christ wasn't his plan B. This phrase from the foundation of the world means that God set his love on you long before you ever existed. As a matter of fact, long before the world even existed. He had already set his love on you. Your salvation, it rests upon God's eternal plan of redemption in Christ and his eternal love for you. And to emphasize this point of God's divine choice resting exclusively on God's eternal love, the Holy Spirit inspires the Apostle Paul to use the example of two twin brothers by the name of Jacob and Esau. And Paul reminds us that, that before the, the twins were born, before they had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose according to his choice might stand, said, I love Jacob. The point is, is the before time existed, before you were born, before you had done anything good or bad, God said, I love Love you. Wow. God's choice is not dependent upon our works, our will, or our strength. His choice is dependent strictly and exclusively 
on his sovereign mercy. God choosing to place us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Well, the Bible says that this is his gracious choice. And the Bible goes on to tell us that it was according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted to us in Christ Jesus, notice, from all eternity. From all eternity. Wow. Brothers and sisters, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. We did not choose God. He chose us. And he draws us into himself with a relentless, unstoppable, undefeatable, invincible love. Jesus says, no man can come to me unless the father who sent me draws me. So I ask you this morning, is the Father drawing you to himself? Does the good news of God's eternal love, which he has set upon you in Christ Jesus from all eternity, does it warm your heart? Does it really make you ponder the mystery of God? Does it cause you really to humble yourself? And to thank him for giving you something that you don't deserve. Listen, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, no one will come to me unless it be granted by my father. And Jesus is granted that you would be here today. The Lord is granted that you would be here today and hear the good news of his eternal love for you in Christ. Don't squander this opportunity. Rest in the love of God found in the accomplishments of Christ. Jesus says, all that the Father has given me, given to me, will come to me. And so I say to you, come to Christ today. Surrender to his grace. Lie down in his love. The Bible tells us that as many that are appointed to eternal life, well, they believe So believe in Christ today. The Bible tells us that whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Therefore, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. The full demonstration of the love of God. In closing, let me just... Reminisce of an episode that's found in the book of Acts. It's during Paul's first missionary journey. And the Bible tells us that when the people heard the good news that the Father had chosen them in Christ before the foundation of the world, and that in Christ that they were set apart and flawless before him, the Bible says that the people began to rejoice and to glorify God. And that's what I desire for us today. I desire that we would rejoice and glorify God this morning. Thanking him with a heart of worship. Thanking him with a heart of adoration for his eternal love for us in Christ. I desire that we would praise God this morning. That he chose us before the foundation of the world in Christ. So that we would be set apart. 
and flawless before him. Let's pray. Lord, it humbles us when we think of your love for us. It humbles us to know that you've given us all the accomplishments of Christ. Lord, why would we be so prideful to want to hold on to anything? Why wouldn't we just surrender, rest, and receive and relish in your love? Lord Jesus, I've heard the good news today. And I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Claim me as a child of God. I've heard that you love me. And many times I don't believe I'm even deserving of love. That doesn't seem to matter to you. Thank you for loving me. And Lord, as your children, we want to give you praise and thanksgiving for who you are and for the love that you've given to us. Help us, Lord, to meditate on your eternal love for us in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.